0: You'll just be with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are. Thank you that you use fallen people like me. That you uh, work in our lives and and you give us a word. Lord, I pray that right now that all my preparation will go to the side if, if you have a different message. Pray that our approach to you today, my approach to you at this moment, will be honoring to you. I thank you again for the opportunity we have to be here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, just to give you a a little heads up here about who you're going to be interacting with. And notice I said interacting. uh, Who you're going to be interacting with here. I am a teacher by trade. I'm currently the head of the upper school at Hilton Head Prep. And so I just want to warn you about a few things. Uh, The first thing is one of the hardest things for a teacher develop, to develop, which is wait time. So wait time is this. So when, you, when I was student teaching, um, I would feel comfortable that I had my questions ready. And I'd ask those questions, and about a half a second later, I'd answer them. Right? I don't know if you've ever been there. If you've ever been in a teaching experience where you ask a question, and like nobody's answering it, so I'm just going to answer it. All right? I'm a teacher by trade, so that means that I have been doing that for about 15 years, so you're more uncomfortable than I am. (laughs) I just want you to know that. So when I ask you a question, I want you to think about it, and if I do ask a question and it looks like, man, maybe somebody should answer that, feel free, okay? Just blurt it out. You don't have to worry about whether it's the right answer or not, all right? What I want you to do right now is I want you, if there's a sheet of paper around you, if you'll take out that sheet of paper. This is the interactive portion of the service. This is one of them. Um, If you don't have a piece of paper or pen around you, there may be one in the front of the pew in front of you. And I want you to write down, when I look in the mirror, I wish I could change, before you do that, let me describe what I'm talking about. I am not talking about when I look in the mirror, I see someone who weighs the same as they did in college but looks nothing the same. That would be mine. My wife wishes that I looked like I did in college even though I weigh the same, okay? I know that she wishes that because she said that to me. All right? So um, what I want you to do is don't make it about the physical. This is not a physical thing. It's about inside of yourself. If I could change, I wish I could change, fill in the blank. I actually want you to take a second. I just want you to write it down. While you're writing, I'm going to give you my example. So something God has been working on in me for probably my whole life, but it's been much more transparent over the last three or four years, is the idea of loving people. I'm the oldest of six. So I don't know if any of you are in big families or happen to be the oldest of that big family. Uh, But what happens when three, four, five, and six come? is that you have parents who are very focused on providing for three, four, five, and 6. And this is not a judgment on my parents. I love my parents. But what happens is, is as the firstborn, I was type A kind of independent anyway. I just started to be more secluded. I separated myself. So over time, this expression of love has been something that's been very hard for me. It's been very hard for me because I go through life, and I am kind of, the, kind of the guy who was, you know what? I can just make it on my own. I'm okay. I even use this, and, and I would advise anyone who's planning on getting married, they don't use this line. I, I use this line. That's the way God made me deal with it. That is the way God made me deal with it well, that was just a cop-out, and it related to my demonstration or expression of love in my wife's life. Lately, or just recently, we have had a transformational experience in our life as a family. Um, I have an 11-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a six-month-old. I had planned out my life. I said 47. I'm 37 right now. When I was 47, my last child was going to leave the house. What a, I mean, that was my timeline. I had that figured out. Like, that is good stuff. God, on the other hand, had a different plan. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is not necessarily God's plan in my life. It's this love idea. So I'm going to formally apologize to Adria and Hannah Stevens. Adria's sitting over there, who's my 11 and 9-year-old, because... God has worked in my heart, and I think I understand love a lot more than when they were born. So I look at Harper Stevens, and I understand love, and I feel terrible for my daughters. Now, they're not scarred for life, I hope, but God had to transform me. So if I were to look in the mirror and I were to say, what is my image? And the piece of my image that I wanted to transform was love, the demonstration of love. So whatever you wrote down, I want you to keep. I want you to keep it off to the side. All right. Today, I struggled with this title of, of the sermon. I was, and sermon is really, sounds kind of odd coming out of my mouth. It's like sermon, that's what my dad does. That's what Mark does. All right? Oh, actually, my daughter asked me if I was going to use the iPad like Pastor Mark, and I'm not quite there yet. I'm a kind of hard, hard copy guy. Um, I do have an iPad. I just don't know if I'd be able to work through it. That has nothing to do with my message. I apologize. A little bit of a rabbit trail. So I was debating this title. What is your image or how is your image? So as you listen to this, as we interact with each other, think about that Whether it's what is your image or how is your image, it really isn't going to matter whichever one resonates with you. So here's a little bit of an interactive piece. For those of you who are affiliated with Hilton Head Christian, I apologize um, for bringing this into God's house. Uh, This is Hilton Head Prep, and I was a baseball baseball coach for 12 years. Um, Actually, eight years at Hilton Head Prep. When you see this, other than... Hilton Head Prop, what is it that comes to your mind? What image comes to your mind? If I were to wear this, is this okay? Yeah, I think it would be okay. But if I were to wear this, what would the image mean to you? Baseball, what else? Team, team comes to mind. What else? Coach. Coach, all right, do you profile people who wear stuff like this? Do you? So what comes to your mind? What kind of components of the profile come to your mind? Athlete? What's that? A happy child? Happy child. A happy child. Isn't that interesting? I'm, Carrie, thank you for sharing that. Because it's like people who are holding on to this are like children a little bit in some people's minds, right? It's like, you know, those guys who are just hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. All right. So this was my image in high school. This was my image. So my image in high school was I was that guy who had accepted and adopted the fact that I was a, I was a bit of a jock. And so I, was, I played that part of it. And I was a kind of a student. It's interesting considering what my job is now. I understand that. But I was kind of a student. So what that means is I was that 3-2 guy. I know for those of you who were the perfect student, that's like, what a... What a ridiculous GPA that is. But 3 2, I was the 3 2 guy who didn't do anything. That was my image. That was my profile. All right? So, what I had to do when I got to college, the 3 2 guy who didn't do anything was now like the 2 5 guy who didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> but that was based on an image I had created. All right? And it was hard for me to transform that image. It wasn't something that I could just do. What we're going to be talking about today is how do we transform an image. Now, there are different components we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about it on the spiritual sense, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. For those of you who do not have a Bible, there are Bibles in the front of the pews, and if you open that Bible... Uh, If you turn to page 1143, you'll be able to find where 2 Corinthians 3 is. I just want you to know that just in case you don't have uh, a Bible with you. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. This is not his first letter to them. Uh, He has left Corinth, and what has happened since he has, has gone is that many people are coming in they're Judaizers. So they're coming in with, okay, you understand, I understand what Paul's been preaching. I get that. But it's Paul's message plus this. It's Paul's message plus the law. Paul's message isn't enough. Jesus is the one and only way isn't enough. We have to do more. And that's what these teachers have come in. They've also come in with some A resume. So they're basically saying, and we're going to see that referenced here. They're basically saying, "Look, we bring letters from other churches, basically confirming who we are." So, so listen to us. Paul doesn't quite get it. That's the context here that Paul is responding to. All right. Before we get started, another thing in education education is this idea of understanding by design, which basically says you aim at the end and you work your way back, okay? So the end, we're going to start backwards here. So in 2 Corinthians 3, if you'll look at verses 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, this will give you a sense of where we are headed, and we're going to get back to this later on in the message. So verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 3 says this, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Alright, so basically, if I were to summarize this, and we're going to come back to this, it's, it's basically saying, we all, with unveiled face, are going to see in a mirror the glory of the Lord, And we're going to be transformed in that same image through God's Spirit. So that's where we're aiming. And we're going to filter it through an image. The first point uh, for today is what is the source of the image? The source of the image. Because if we try to create an image and we have the source wrong, it's not going to come together. It's not going to work. So the source of the image. Let's go back to the beginning of 2 Corinthians 3. And we're going to read a couple verses. And we'll kind of talk through this together. Second Corinthians 3 verse 1 says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Now, I'm not going to stop after every verse, but I want you to understand the context there. So basically what has happened is these other guys have come in, and they started to attack Paul's message. And in attacking Paul's message, they had those letters of commendation. They're saying, hey, look, there's proof here. Other churches are supporting our message. All right. And so Paul says, do I need to have those letters of commendation? And at the same time, some of those same people were attacking Paul for how he presented the message the first time. They're saying Paul was making it about himself. And so Paul is addressing that here. Now here is where we start to dig in together. It says, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. So when you read that verse, what do you think of as the source. What's the source? I know you were not used to do, interacting like this. Christ. Paul is outlining the source of the image. All right? He's saying, don't get distracted by all those other things. The source of the image is clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, ministered by us. So our role was to minister to you. But you are an epistle of Christ. You're not an epistle of Paul or Apollos, and there are some other parts of the Scripture that talks about that. You're an epistle of Christ. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. So people can bring to you letters and with written with ink, but you are written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone. When you think of tablets of stone, what comes to your mind? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Ten commandments, right? So Paul is really, he's setting the stage here for this huge difference. He's saying, look, not with ink, not those letters that those guys are writing. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So when you think of that comparison, and you're considering the source of the image, if we don't get this source right... Everything else falls to the wayside. The source has to be right. So if the source of the image is Jesus Christ and his spirit's work in our lives, it is not these tablets of stone. So what he's talking about, he's saying, look, the law and the new covenant. The law Moses brought down, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, or the new covenant of transformation through Jesus Christ. So if that is the source Let's talk about some things that aren't the source. Look at verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Now, this is where I struggle a little bit. Now, I recognize the source, but sometimes I jump onto my own sufficiency. Now, Paul, what he's talking about is on the spiritual sense. Look, look, it's not Christ plus some. If we look at that verse 5, and don't answer this out loud, but think about it. How many of you are bothered by the fact that we can't be sufficient? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. If we truly recognize what that says, we fall on our knees and thank God. Because our sufficiency is not of ourselves. Because if it is of ourselves, what a mess we are. What a mess we are. So think about this. I, I thought about um, trying to transform myself. So there was a time, I've been coaching baseball for about 12 years, and so I'm going to use baseball in education. I'm sorry if those don't resonate with you. Hopefully you can apply them, you know, to your life. But, so I was a baseball coach, and I was watching this other coach that we had on our staff, and I watched him interact with, with players, and those players thought he was a driver. He was the one making them better. He was the one that, that really inspired them. So as a young coach, I decided, wait a second. Look, if that's the profile that, that helps people grow, then I'm going to adopt that profile. You ever tried that before? You ever tried to be someone that you're not? So I did. So I said, look, I can make that happen. I know what that looks like. I've watched it enough. So the problem was, as a baseball coach, I actually think you should treat players the opposite of that. Because in the game of baseball, if you don't know the game of baseball, me yelling at you while you're in the batter's box is not going to set a great tone. And it's actually not going to help you relax and perform. But I tried it because I had watched it work for someone else. So I'm going to change my personality. You know what the problem with trying to change your personality is on your own? Is you don't even remember what you're supposed to respond like. So there were situations in, that would come up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I should have yelled there. Oh, man, I missed that one. I'll get it next time. Or I should have been more inspirational there. That's because I'm trying to change my personality. I'm not recognizing the source. I'm thinking that if you look at verse 5 again, I'm sufficient in and of myself to make life transformation happen. So here's the deal. Here's the challenge for us right now in this particular part of the passage is, look, that verse number five is a great verse of celebration for us. It is not a verse in which we go, oh, man. Because even though we try, even though we try to change things through our own will, it's not going to last. Look at verse the last part of or the verse 6 who also be also made as sufficient as ministers of the new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life now remember paul's message he's saying look bring the spirit recognize the spirit as the source because it gives life the letter kills what was the purpose of the law The purpose of the law ultimately is to outline behaviors, all of those behaviors, all of them that you would have to maintain in order to achieve salvation or righteousness and acceptance by God. And we are unable to do that. The law is designed to point to Christ. Christ himself is the fulfillment of the law. So what what Paul is talking about here is the spirit of Brings life. The letter kills. Now, as we look at the source of the image, we can recognize the source of the image. Um, Have you ever tried to take on spiritual challenges that way, by your on your own? So I decide that I'm going to love more, and in my mind I say, "Look, I'm going to love my wife more." So what happens right when I leave this service? she's probably going to say something that bothers me. I don't know. Not probably. Maybe she will. It's not a judgment on her. Maybe she will. And I, if I try to do it without the recognition of the source, on my own will not be able to respond effectively. I cannot do that on my own. So the spiritual pieces. Life comes through a recognition of the source. So if we know what the source is, we understand what is not the source. We know that our good works cannot lead us there. We know that the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. The next point here is verse 7. And we're going to read this, and what this starts to outline, and remember Paul is outlining these two kind of approaches, this law approach and this, the new covenant under the Spirit. And verse 7 says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses, because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So Paul's saying, hey, look, the ministry through Moses was glorious. Remember when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, the people couldn't look at his face. I mean, there was a glory of the Lord represented there. So it's not to say that there wasn't glory of the Lord there, but if you look as the verses continue, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more glory. So if we're holding on to the law, let's look at some of the words that are used in this passage to describe the law. Death, condemnation, passing away. The law basically points out the things we are unable to achieve. Look at the words that describe the new covenant. Let's look at, verse, look at verse 8. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So God has sent His Spirit. That is the source. So if the source of the image is that, the veiled image is the law. So let's look at this. Verse 9, exceeds more in glory. Verse 10, glory that excels Versus what was there before. So if we look at the face of Moses, why does he put that veil on? He puts the veil on because the glory of the Lord had truly in it. It was passing, but it had truly been, he had been in God's presence. All right, so he had to veil his face. But Christ has removed the veil. And we're going to see that just in a few minutes. See, that's the power of this. Sometimes we as human beings actually prefer a little bit more of a a veil because it's something we can understand. So we understand law. We understand if I do this, do this, we do this, we do this, we do this, all of that will come to fruition in something. But it's harder to grasp that Christ Himself, through His Spirit, is the fulfillment of that law. And that's what we're going to be talking about here. So if we recognize the hope that lies within Christ, the source of the image, let's look at the impact of that recognition. So Moses, there was an element of glory there. He he had to put a veil over him. Verse 12, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Where does boldness come from? Think about that. Where does boldness come from, especially as it relates to spiritual things? It comes from the source A recognition of the source. So if I decide today that when I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to be more bold. And I'm going to speak God's truth. And I just decide that, look, because I cognitively understand that I should be, that I'm going to be able to, I'm literally veiling the image of Christ in me because I cannot do it on my own. I cannot transform that. So it hasn't been in my life. I'm 37 years old. I grew up in a pastor's home. I, I have a lot of background, head knowledge. But it wasn't until the last three years of my life that I've actually started to be bold in my witness. This morning in the first service, there were two men from our school that came to hear me preach. And they came to hear me preach, um, and it's only because God, through His Spirit, gave me boldness to share with them. Not that I was preaching, but that there's a truth. There's a truth beyond what we can understand in our in our human minds. So sometimes, when we don't recognize where the boldness comes from, we decide we're going to be bold and we go out in the world, and then we we don't speak. We don't take the opportunity, but we have to understand the source. So when we look at this, that boldness, do you have boldness? You may recognize the source, but do you have boldness? And if not, why not? We're going to talk a little bit about that. Verse 13 and 14. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Underline that. If you need to figure out how to become bold, a recognition that the veil is taken away in Christ. Now, what he's talking about here is people who are trying to fulfill the law to get to Christ. And I'm sure there are people in this room right now who believe that it's, man, it is so hard to be a good person. I can't be good enough. You're right. And neither can I. Neither can I. I cannot be good enough to remove the veil. A recognition of who Jesus Christ is in my life is the only way that that veil can remove. Is your mind blinded? Are you adding things? Let's say that we recognize the source. Let's say all of us in here recognize the source of salvation and true life transformation is through the work of the Spirit of God and the recognition of who Jesus Christ is in our life. Let's say that we all recognize this. I think we, we add things to it and veil the image at times as well. And you know one of the ways that we veil the image, especially it relates to boldness, is I don't know enough. I don't know enough. Look, a recognition that the, the image only is transformed through Jesus Christ, look, get out there and share your life testimony and just say, hey, look, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. The only thing that makes me any different is Jesus Christ in me. That's it. The lens of Jesus Christ. I have a friend, and this friend, he's a very close friend of mine, and he was here this morning. And it was very interesting for me to share these stories about that friend when he was sitting here. I didn't mention his name. But he is truly searching When he looks at me, sometimes he'll say, how do you have that peace? Like, how do you get to the point of peace? Right now, one of the things that's going on in my life is um, I, for the last two years, have been defining for God an equation. I don't know if any of you have ever done that before. But I had this equation. I said, God, this plus this equals the type of school that I should work at. So I'm currently at Hilton Head Prep, and I've been there for 10 years. But God has been working on my life. And so I've been trying to add all of these pieces together to say, look, God, you you get this equation, or do you need me to go over it again? Do you need me to go over it again? It looks like I do, because you do, because it's not working out that way. So what's happened in the last two weeks is that God said, look, enough of your equation. Enough of your equation. Let me reveal to you my work in your life. Consider the source now, Nathan Stevens. You're not the source of the equation. I'm the source. So, over the last two weeks, God has led me to a school that does not fit the equation that I defined. But what my friend sees in me is the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so he sees that in me, and I'm not holding myself up because I am a big old mess. I mean, I'm unworthy to be up. We're all a mess. Let's just all acknowledge that. Am I a mess? Yes, I am a mess. Only through the power of Jesus am I anything. But he sees a peace in me, and he wants that peace. He wants that peace, and he was sitting in, there, I, in in here this morning, right back there, and he wants that peace. That peace is referenced right here, right here in this passage. If you look at this, nevertheless, verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is taken away. How do you explain that to somebody who hasn't turned to the Lord? You know how I've tried it? I've tried it through my own words. You ever done that? Like, let me explain it to you. The same gentleman I've been referencing, I tried it that way with him probably four or five times. And you know what happened? I finally quoted God's word. And you know what he said? How profound the veil was being starting to be taken away because Nathan Stevens wasn't getting in the way, wasn't placing it there. So this boldness, this recognition, that verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So if you're sitting here and you are struggling with how you, how you can comprehend how to get to Jesus, Verse 16, one turns to the Lord. When you turn to the Lord, the veil gets taken away, and you go, Whoa, whoa, I see. So, when we're talking about this veiled image, we could be those people who are, who are veiling, or have the veiled image because they're not recognizing the source. And there's also those of us who believe in the source who at times veil the image. Sometimes we veil the image. You know how I veiled the image? I gave you a little bit of a glimpse into my background. So, bear with me. I hope you sense my sarcasm. I just want to make sure everyone gets that because I don't want anything I just say, now, now say for you to think I'm puffing myself up. I was saved at the age of five. Yay me. I was born into a pastor's home. Am I getting a little bigger in your eyes? I even did a bus ministry when I was eight years old at six in the morning on a Sunday morning with my dad every weekend. Don't tell anybody I did it because of the donuts. I love the donuts. All right, so what did I do after high school? I went to a Baptist Bible college. I have 30 credits of Bible. Wow. So what did I do after college? I went to a Christian school and I taught there. And then I moved here. I became a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, and an elder. Wow, aren't I spiritually buff in your eyes? What do we do to veil the image? We focus on all of that stuff. All of that stuff instead of recognizing the true source. Who cares that I went to a Baptist Bible college? I'm glad God took me there. He helped shape me there. There's nothing wrong with going there. But it doesn't make me anything. So sometimes, even though we understand the source, we veil the image with the things that we keep throwing at it. We, we bring the law back in. We define what it is to be spiritual. I know I did. That's what I did. Now, maybe some of you don't struggle with that. And great for you. <laughs> great for you. But if we don't understand the source, you know those things we wrote down at the beginning? Those things we'd like to change about ourselves? If we have a veiled image, it's not going to happen. We can't see through it. We can't understand who the source is and truly have life transformation. You know, Paul has his own version of this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians 3. And if you have those Bibles that were in front... Uh, page 1163, just again, for those of you who may not know where that is, I just want you to be able to get there. Uh, Philippians 3, uh, Paul is much more articulate than I am. Um, whenever you That's why I was hesitant to do Paul's writing, because I'm like, oh my word, there's a depth to Paul's writing here. I, am I even going to be able to work my way through it? Philippians 3, verses 3. Starting in verse 3. It says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So, remember, I I was saved at five. Circumcised the eighth day. The stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. That right there is the source of the image. If you're attaching life transformation to something you do, or something you are becoming without the lens of Jesus Christ, you're veiling the image. And if we, if we live a life that way, if we live a Christian life based on how it looks to other people and don't access the source, other people, it's just like my story about my friend. So I'm trying to talk him into believing in Christ instead of using God's word. I'm veiling the image of Christ in his life. I'm getting in the way. So the veiled image is something that we all need to consider. Do you veil the source of the image? The last point today is found in verse 16 through 18, and this is what we've already talked about, but we're going to get into it a little bit more. In verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We already talked about that, but think about what that means. The veil is taken away. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hmm. So if we turn to the Lord and the veil is taken away, and in verse 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Some of us get uncomfortable with that idea of liberty. So let me give you some, some antonyms of liberty. Imprisonment. Incarceration. Restraint. So it says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the opposite of that, where the Spirit of the Lord is not, there is imprisonment. We're imprisoned by the things we create. We're imprisoned by that mindset that I have to be this, 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 and this. And we imprison others or veil others, the image for others, when we impose that upon them. So it's easy for us, again, if we recognize the source of the image, to think this is not about us. Look, I get it. I get it. There's the new covenant through Jesus Christ. I accept he's the source of the image. That's easy for us to just tune out the rest of it. But when you look at the impact of recognizing the source of the image and turning to God and the veil being removed, you see that it brings a liberty. We are not incarcerated in that pursuit anymore. It doesn't mean that we don't want God to transform our life. It doesn't mean that, like me, I have to step back and realize I can't change my— I can't love somebody more just by deciding to. Now, love is a decision. I get it. I get it. Love is a decision. But for Nathan Stevens, I can decide it every day. It has to be the power of God within me. It has to be God's Spirit working within me in order to make me truly demonstrate the love of Christ to others. That's my challenge. transformation doesn't come from our power. Verse 18, as we finish this up, I know I've read it, but I want to go back to it. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Think about what that means. If we recognize the source, Paul is saying we are beholding in the mirror the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed through his spirit. So that same friend I've been talking about, now it's behind his back, but I've been talking about, he said to me the other, about actually at the beginning of last summer, he said, Nathan, he said, the reason you think that you're so horrible, and this is not why I think I'm so horrible, well it is, actually if you listen to it, it. He goes, the reason you think you're so horrible, because I always, I'm just transparent with him. I said, man, you may struggle with that, but I struggle with, stuff." I mean, again, I'm a human being. He said, the reason you do that, and this is an unsaved gentleman who doesn't understand the truth yet. He hasn't turned to the Lord, and the veil hasn't been lifted yet. He says, it's because you're looking in the mirror, and you measure yourself based on Jesus Christ. And I went, how, whoa, that's profound for a guy who doesn't understand the truth. But this is what this is saying. This is what it's saying. If we understand the source of trans- life transformation is the true source, the spirit working within us, we have an unveiled face. We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed. Wow. Like if that's not a wow moment for you, I don't, I don't know. As a believer, I don't, that's a wow moment for me. Because is that really, the Lord is transforming me into, it says, Beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. How do we do that? We don't do that by just looking in the mirror, pulling out that idea that we had and say, I'm going to change that. We do it by recognizing the source. So, if you understand the source of the image, you realize that a veiled image is our works and those things we try to add on. And we realize that veil is removed through looking to the Lord, looking to Jesus. That transformed image is going to happen if we recognize that source. Now, I was in a Sunday school class probably about 12 years ago, and a gentleman always said, YBH, yeah, but how? All right, let's say I acknowledge all the stuff Paul just talked about. How do I do this? How do I maintain my mindset where I'm truly recognizing the source of the image so I can be transformed? If you'll flip to Galatians 5. For those of you who are on the men's retreat, uh, I shared this passage with you. Uh, Galatians 5. And we're going to start in verse 13. And uh, for those of you who don't have that Bible, it's it's 1,154. That's the page. Galatians 5, verse 13. This is Paul again. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Uh-oh, there's the Nathan Stevens word. If I were to put that word down, there's that love word. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh-oh, how do I do that? But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another? Verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So the YBH, the yeah, but how. You've got to recognize the source. But in order to do this, you have to walk in the spirit. I, I think about it this way. I was saved at a young age and so so I think I was been I've been sitting in the spirit for a long time. I've taken on I recognize the source so I've been just sitting there. I'm comfortable just sitting in the spirit. Life transformation doesn't really happen that way. My my sanctification, I've been set apart but I'm not actually progressing. I'm not growing closer to Christ because I'm sitting in the spirit. So if you want to walk in if you want life transformation, how do you maintain this image? You start walking in the Spirit. How do you start walking in the Spirit? It's a recognition of who Jesus Christ is, the power of life transformation happening through His Spirit. By keeping that at the forefront, we will be able to change that thing. Look at that, lit, that thing that you put down on the sheet of paper again. Think about that. Even if you're a believer, even if you recognize the source, you will not be able to change that thing. Without the power of God and the Holy Spirit working within you. An image transformed through the source must be maintained through the source. That doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation. That means if we want to continue to grow, we have to recognize the source. I don't know if you struggle with the same things I do. You may not struggle with that love thing. You may struggle with something totally different. But if you truly want to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to recognize the source. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Remember those works? Those works were those things that Nathan Stevens, all of my biblical, spiritual resume. If I founded everything on that, I'd start boasting on that and veil the image. So let's say that you're not in that part. Maybe you're not struggling with that. Maybe you have recognized the source and you just want to work towards life transformation. You want to grow in those areas. That's also about recognizing the source. It's about not veiling the image and walking in the spirit. That's my charge for you today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for who you are in our life. I thank you that life transformation, you take care of that. I thank you that you've given us an opportunity to turn towards the source and the veil can be lifted away. I pray if there are people in this sanctuary right now who have not recognized the source, whose vision is veiled because they're adding all of these other components, I pray that you will help them to remove the veil, through your spirit. I pray for those of us who have accepted the source. We know that life transformation comes through the power of the spirit, but we try to do it on our own. I pray that you'll help us to recognize that, that you alone can work that way, that you alone can transform our lives. Thank you for this time together. I pray that the remainder of this service will be honoring to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. would stand. We're going to sing a song and if God is moving in your heart today and you come down and I'll be here in the front and you come down to the altar and pray, please do that now. Go ahead and stand.